Yo, 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 yo. This is Rob Cruz on Jamboree Radio. Why the beep should I care? I don't see a lot of kids playing pickup sports or basketball or football in certain communities in Chicago. And I know it's dangerous and it's it's, it's hard to do outside, but it kind of led me to start thinking, you know, what's the impact that sports has on an inner city youth and what, what, what are the real gains and the real benefits compared to the real negative? negative, negative. My, my father was a great man, lawyer, pastor, but he passed away when I was young. You know what I mean? Suddenly. So it was like, you know, football became my guidance. It was my getaway. My son is 13 years old. He scored 22 touchdowns for the team last year. He's in the gym with me all the time. I'm like his hero. You know, but at 13 years old, I was already doing time in the Cook County Juvenile Justice Detention Center. I was already shot at 13. And I look at my son, and this kid is so amazing. And he's not around gangs. He's not around drugs. He's coming up in a beautiful community because I didn't want him to deal with the same things as I did. Welcome. The topic of today's conversation is something very personal to me growing up on the east side of Joliet, and it's something that has spilled out into all facets of life in the Chicagoland area. Safety. And the question I have is now safety a social issue? Well, people say, Robert, what does that mean? It means that the social fabrics that are kind of ongoing in our communities, are they leading to more violence? Are they leading to less safe neighborhoods? Is it affecting your plans with your social life with your friends? Is it affecting where you raise your kids? Is it affecting how you do your business or where you want to do your business? Um, recently had a chance to do a little homework on this. And after talking to a few guests, and, and we'll let them uh, their names be known soon, is where does safety kind of fit in in the construct of family? Where does safety fit in in the construct of policing? Where does safety fit in in the construct of choices kids have to make or parents have to make who live in blue-collar neighborhoods who just want to get through the day and raise good kids and, and, have, and have a nice life. Starting with that, one of the things that we kind of discovered in our research, myself and producer James, is kids in these neighborhoods like me, you were given a choice in an early age. You start going outside, you start playing sports, or you can go into gangs. I was uh, approached with that same decision back in Joliet. I had friends that were going into gangs, and I had friends that were going into sports. Family life for us was pretty difficult at times. My dad was a United States Marine Corps uh, veteran, and he came back home, started working at a factory out in the out in the Joliet area, but struggled with something I think parents um, often see or families often see was alcohol and drug abuse. It's not a secret anymore. I've, I've discussed it personally out there in the public, and. For, for, for my dad, he was struggling with this, and it kind of led to a lot of unrest in our home. My mom, you know, is an angel and did everything she could to keep our families uh, in line and intact. Um, and, and just, just kind of going looking back on that and, and trying to put myself in this situation where I see some kids are today, it could have easily went the other way for me where I would have been intrigued by joining gangs or joining a crew or joining that type of environment. Um, early on, I knew it wasn't for me because I didn't think I had the stomach 
to actually go through with some of the things that uh, my friends were asked to be, to, some of the things that my friends were asked to do. Um, I was also naturally a little bit gifted athlete. Um, my dad was a pretty good athlete. So we went that route. We actually joined up with a little, a little league team called Belmont Little League, where it was a community of people all trying to get these kids off the streets and play baseball. And gangs weren't really welcome there. It was kind of considered a safe zone, and it was patrolled by officers. And I spent a lot of great years there. I met some of my best friends going through that. Thank you for joining us today. You're gonna to meet a couple of guests today that faced the same choice as I did. Gangs or teams? And why should you care? Because these same choices today are affecting the safety of our daily lives. So I'm here today with my man, Lucky Chucky. How we feeling today, brother? Feeling like a million bucks and living like a thousand eh? <laughs> Can I borrow 20? <laughs> I got you. So um, thank you for coming on the show, man. I want people that really get an understanding to know you, how I have come to know you. Uh, I, I know I, I consider us friends now, right? Tell us a little bit about Lucky Chucky. A little bit about Lucky Chucky. Well, I, you know, I was a career criminal most of my life. I lived on the, you know, the opposite side of the law, doing the wrong things. And that's because in hindsight, I was a, a victim of uh, the streets, a victim of the, the system. And uh just inundated with gangs and drugs in my community, I just became a product of my environment. So, you know, being uh, being a criminal involved in gangs and drugs was just normal to me, and it led me in all the wrong places. And uh, I, what's gained, I, I gained a lack of empathy and respect towards police and authority figures because of what I witnessed from the Chicago Police Department and being incarcerated at early age, because even at the age of 13 in the Cook County Juvenile Justice Detention Center, the guards used to gamble on us to fight one-on-one. -on -one. So you know, the the respect I have for authority figures went out the window at that point. It just led me down a, the wrong path in life. And, you know, I carried that with me throughout most of my life. Yeah, no. And, and one of the reasons why I love talking to him, uh, Producer James, because the, the humility that he speaks with when he's talking about right. his experience. Every I wish more people would talk like that, right? right? Owning up to what we've made mistakes on. Right. You know, so the first question I got for you, Lucky Chucky, and it's the one I think it's, it's probably going to be relevant in five years, 10 years, you know, is safety a social issue now for the rest of us as, as citizens and societal people. What do you think? Safety is a, is a major concern, especially what's going on in society today. You know, when I was younger, you know, 14 years old, I gave my mom a little snub nose. I said, mom, hold this for me. She said, no, no. But two weeks later, I got it back from her. Never once did she quest, question me if I was going to go do a, a school shooting or a mass shooting. And in today's society, unfortunately, that's what we're dealing with. Mass shootings are on the rise. The overdose epidemic going on in this country right now. A lot of people out there are miserable, depressed, and lost. They have no hopes for the future. And you see what's going on. You see what's going on in this country. The political leaders seem like they don't care. They're flooding our major cities with migrants. And as far as safety, it's a major concern, especially when the political figures in charge are telling people that they're not going to criminally charge people or they shouldn't be liable for looting. So it's like, you're giving all these individuals the green light to commit violent acts against other people, loot the stores, and you see where it's leading in Chicago. You got businesses yeah. fleeing, you got people fleeing, you got taxes going up. And what's the mayor doing about it? Saying that families need to come together. What families? Most of these people that are doing these crimes don't have normal families in their household because their fathers abandon their moral or moral or financial obligations to their children, or they're incarcerated. 
or they're a victim of the streets and they passed away. So a lot of these kids out here and people that commit these crimes, they don't have family structure. That's what the political leaders fail to realize, you know, and the system is kind of set up like that with the family court system in this country, all that. So safety, hell, nowadays, and when I do these events, I got to go there with security, you know, to, to, cause you never know who's going to come there. I'm not worried about fighting, but you know, as far as safety, you got, you never know who can walk in the building and just shoot the place up. It, it, we're living in a unique society where anything can happen at any given time. You could be at a, a banquet. You could be at a carnival. You could be anywhere and anything can happen at any given time. So safety, we all need to be concerned about our own safety, especially in today's society. It kind of leads me into the next focus of the, of, you know, growing up in the hood, right? I grew up on the East side of Joliet. My parents grew up in Pilsen. I believe you grew up in South side of Chicago too, right? And I witnessed it. It was two lives. You were in the sports or you were in the gangs, right? That was it. You know, I went the sports route. And, and I kind of know that side of the story, but I didn't really keep up with my friends that I knew when I was 10 that went the other way. You know, what was what was alluring to you? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, like you said, I grew up in a, in a household where, you know, we were poor. Food stamps and government cheese. That's what I came up on. My mom used to send me to the store with food stamps with a note to get her cigarettes. You know, my father was incarcerated a lot. He grew up on Fullerton and Trip in the Logan Square neighborhood. My parents were involved, you know, in that in that in that sense of life. My dad was incarcerated. And, in a very early age, we never had much. You know, I had pro wings on my feet, you know, and I was, you know, poor. So, you know, at a very early age, you know, coming up in that community, the friends that you have and the things you do are what make you who you are. So it's like, you know, eventually I just had a conversation with a few of the guys in the neighborhood. Next thing I know, I was just knee deep in gains. Next thing I know, I was uh, neck deep in the gains and, and the street life. You know, it was just something that intrigued me. It was weird. It was like, it just happened like that. Was it the money? Well, you know, at first it wasn't the money. At first it was just intriguing to me. It was exciting. It was adrenaline rush, you know, to battle and fight other gangs and, you know, go to other hoods. You know, you got the community, you got the community, you know, the neighborhood watch people, you know, they wouldn't even set up shop in our neighborhood. We'd, we'd either shoot up the house or break the house. You know, right. it's like, it was exciting, but the money came right. with that. The right. money came with that. And then I realized, there's money to be involved and money to be made. And then it came beyond that. Right. But everything you do pretty much when you're involved in gangs and a criminal organization revolves around money. And then it becomes an evolving up into the, the structure right. of that life. I look back today and something I, I do see when I'm driving around is I don't see a lot of kids playing pickup sports or basketball or football in certain communities in Chicago. And I know it's dangerous and it's, it's, it's hard to do outside. But it kind of led me to start thinking, you know, what's the impact that sports has on an inner city youth? And what, what, what are the real gains and the real benefits compared to the real negatives? So there was one group, I started doing some research, and we actually played this group back in the day. It's Jackie Robinson West Baseball. Something that everybody here was cheering for a few years ago as they made a, a nice run to the World Series. And uh, so I started looking them up. Looked up their Facebook, you know, all their different things. And I, and I went onto their, to their website. You go to their homepage, and there's a parent code of conduct. And I thought, wow, when it comes to safety and policing is where are the parents in this scenario? And it's like taboo to discuss how you raise your child or, or especially if someone is struggling with drugs or alcohol or is struggling to find you know, where they fit in. Because I think a lot of kids out here do join these gangs because they don't know where, they're, where, they're, where they fit in at. And that's a, a social construct that people need to have. You have to have somewhere that you fit in. I fit in in the sports arena. Some people fit it in in the, in the gang arena. Other people fit in in the work arena. You know, let, me, let me read a few of these off. 
Remember that children participate to have fun. I once heard Michael Jordan say the first rule of sports is, if you're, is to have fun. Because if you're not having fun, what are you doing here? Be a positive role model for my child and encourage sportsmanship. It's pretty, that's a pretty classic one, right? Teach my child to play by the rules and resolve conflicts without resorting to hostility or violence. In other interviews that I've talked to people, friends of mine that are also came from this environment who are now trying to do good, comes to mind is my friend Chuck, Lucky Chucky. He said something about this exact point where it teaches you how to resolve your conflicts without resorting to violence. I think today when you talk to a lot of people that are asking why are these kids harming each other or shooting each other or fighting with each other, people automatically assume it's about gangs and drugs. Some of the people I tell me has nothing to do with it. It's all conflict resolution. So this to me is something that is very, it's been lost a little bit. Maybe it needs to be revisited. People always ask me, what was it like growing up around gangs? I'm like, these guys are competitive. The basketball games were brutal. Right. With these guys, right? I mean, I, know, I agree. Competitive, and but it was just you know because when you're in these neighborhoods, right? When you're in these tough neighborhoods, competition is all you have. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You go home. The lights might be out. the The food tastes like you know, food tastes like shit. Sometimes the you know the milk is spoiled, and and that rage just starts to build. And I use it to to play sports and to be focused. Right. right? And. You know, some other people, some of my other friends used it to go and, you know, protect the neighborhood, they would say. Right. So I met Chucky, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago now, right? He, he invited me to come out to a, uh, a boxing match because Chuck's got a big boxing match coming up because right. he's now turning that competitiveness over into the sports arena where you can, nice. you know, where it becomes, you can still get rid of that feeling and, and, and not, you know, end up in jail Great. unless you, Great. unless you yeah. knock this dude out too much. My question is, right. You know, I went to this, I'm seeing these kids, they're boxing, man. I mean, even the kids that, that probably weren't as good as some of the other kids, they're in there, they're working hard. And the question that I kept asking myself is where does organized sports fit in to curb the rage of being poor or making a bad choice, right? Where does because now I, I drive down to neighborhoods of every streets in Chicago. I call you guys all the time from different places. I don't see no kids playing outside baseball. Yeah. I see no kids playing outside basketball. I never see any kids play outside playing football. And that's where the can, there's an outlet there. So what do you think, Chuck, about bringing the sports activities? What, what's your opinion? You know, when I was younger, they had a few outreach programs to try to get us involved in sports, and I was always. You know, physically on point, whether I play football, basketball, fighting, I've always been fond of fighting, you know, and this event that we have coming up August 26th, it correlates to what you just said about being involved in gangs at a very early age. And like you just said, these fights, I, we were at this event, you notice, uh, you know, I, I announced that we were having this event. Now, these fights in these gyms, just like all sports programs, they keep kids away from gangs and drugs and violence in the streets. They teach them conflict resolution skills. They, mm -hmm. they teach them how to deal with losing and being a, a, a good winner. Yeah, learning right. from your mistakes. That's what sports do. But yep. boxing, boxing in general is great. Like you said, any program for these kids to get away from the violence and the wrong things. But I noticed even when we were at these events, right, there were no sponsors there. You notice I did a call out for every business I promoted. Yeah. And not one banner was hung up there. Not one sponsor for these kids that were fighting and these adults that were fighting. Where are these companies at? Why don't they step up and actually help out with these programs in the communities? Like you said, there's no kids playing football, no kids playing basketball, no programs, no outlets. 
What is their outlets? Most of these kids are intrigued with the wrong things. Who are their role models? You ask these kids who their role models are today, they'll tell you little baby. Little baby. What kind <laughs> I don't of even know who little baby you? is. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> but you ask these kids who their, their role models are, and they're intrigued with the wrong things. And right. sports provide an outlet for 100%. those kids to take time away from uh, violence and street violence and do something productive. Right. And, you know, give them hopes. Give them hopes for the future. Like, hey, maybe I can be a, a boxer one day or a football player one day. My, my son is 13 years old. He scored 22 touchdowns for the team last year. He's in the gym with me all the time. Right. I'm like his hero. You know, right. but at 13 years old, I was already doing time in the Cook County Juvenile Justice Detention Center. I was already shot at 13. And I look at my son, and this kid is so amazing. And he's not around gangs. He's not around drugs. He's coming up in a beautiful community because right. I didn't want him to deal with the same things as I did. But in many of his communities, they don't have those outlets. They, the parents don't have the resources or the time to send their kids there. Yeah. There need to be more public figures and role models and people to step up for these kids to turn to. Because a lot of times the parents aren't even there. A lot of these parents are already are still kids. They had, they had these kids when they were younger. Right. So they have no sense of even being a parent themselves. Another one, demand that my child treats coaches, officials, and other players with respect, regardless of race, creed, color, sex, or ability. This is something that is, has to be instilled in children today. Respect, manners, how do you conduct yourself among strangers or those who have authority over you, whether it's sports, life, work. Yeah, in Chicago too. When you when you when you're in Chicago with the taxes, with the school system, with the unions and all that, and with the political leaders that are in charge, the police can't even do their jobs properly. They can't even they don't even want that. They don't even want that. You know, when when they come across an, in a situation, a lot of these individuals that are committing these crimes, they're taunting the police to do something so they make a mistake. Next thing I know it's a news story and they have a lawsuit. These right. police are being so vigilant that they don't even want to they don't want to catch a case because they're gonna be held liable if they make a mistake. And a lot of these criminals, they're taunting them into making that mistake because they, these criminals, they want that uprising. They want a lawsuit. They want that. And now and the police know that. That's why a lot of times they're not even pursuing or going after these guys. They're being very vigilant. Hey, because yeah. they don't want to, they don't want to be a next news story saying that they did something wrong and they're characterized for being something that they're not. They're not, they're not. And something that I that I hope doesn't get lost. Because as I'm raising my own child, this is something that we really, really focus hard on. Are you a, a polite person? Are you a person who treats your elders with respect? Are you someone who treats others with respect? And it's something that, that I hope doesn't get lost again in, in the modern society of the instant gratification. Here's one that I think parents need, and, I, and I'm guilty of this too at times. Praise my child for competing fairly and trying hard. Uh, the only thing we can control when we're doing a task is our effort. The outcome sometimes doesn't go our way. And when that happens, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Some days are better than others, and sometimes others are gonna get the best of you, and some days you're gonna get the best of them. But if your effort is lacking, then that's where doubt creeps in. And to me, that's what starts to create a broken societal uh, exchange or transition from one generation to the next, and how we teach how to handle these things. And then the last one, Respect the officials and their authority during games. Everyone has a role in this society, whether it's a game, work, or social life. And we all have our designated roles. Respecting the authority figures, respecting your bosses, respecting your elders, and also respecting your colleagues, at times seems to be secondary of late, especially since COVID. I think 
a lot of people have gotten a lot of things off their chest during COVID. And it was a good excuse to start talking about how they, you know, quote unquote, really felt. I'd like to thank our guest today, Lucky Chucky. And I hope you got an opportunity to see where the gang life path will take you. My next guest is Tim Crouch. He's an example of life on the other path. And we're going to talk about what he's doing today to pay it forward for today's youth. My name is Tim Crouch. Um, I'm a former athlete turned uh, entrepreneur, um, philanthropist now, giving back to the youth for my youth football program. I'm from Ohio, the birthplace of football. Went to Chaminade Julian Catholic High School in Dayton, Ohio. Um, after my high school career, I went on to the University of Akron, where I played uh, four years for the Zips. Was the captain of the 2005 uh, MAC championship team, the only championship team. And by the way, who was the quarterback Akron. on that team? Who was the quarterback on that team? Luke Getzey was the quarterback on that team. And, and, and why is Luke? Why is Luke Getzey a name we need to know? Luke Getzey is the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears now. Oh, wow. My, my buddy. Yeah. Okay. The, the smartest football player I've ever been around. So it makes a makes a lot of sense. You guys got a good one. So from, from Akron, I moved on, bounced around um, in the league, Carolina, a few teams in the league, didn't stick anywhere long. Um, fo- Stop playing football was the best thing that happened to me. Um, because it, it, it showed me that the things and the skills that I learned in football allowed me, set me up to be an even better man and person than I ever could be as a football player. Um, and, and my passion and my calling is to get, to be a giver and pay that forward. Um, hence why I, I coach the youth, um, because I was once that kid, you know what I mean? That 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 needed that guy. My my father was a great man, lawyer, pastor, but he passed away when I was young. You know what I mean? Suddenly. So it was like, you know, football became my guidance. It was my getaway. Right, yeah. The, the coaches became your surrogates. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Without even knowing it. Without even calling yep. it that. That's mm-hmm. what they were. So so you're running a young a youth program now, right? Uh, it's called Young Kings. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we started out as six one two young kings. This year we've expanded to Robbinsdale Cooper High School. You know, safer environment, nicer facilities. We requested by their coach, their head coach, to merge our program and basically our young athletes can play together from second grade through twelfth grade now. Right. Okay. And, and you know, I, I met Tim in the. Real estate entrepreneurial space. I, I I remember our first interaction. We were I was trying to sell you a piece of property. We couldn't agree on the price, so I was like, you know what, I'm done with this guy. And you said, hey man, I'm sorry. We we like, we could do it now. Remember that? You're in the <laughs> yeah, hallway. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying so, to push you. I'm trying to push you down. Right. Said, nah, yeah, sure. I was like, no, man, I know this left tackle bully before. I've seen this before. I think through even through our own disputes and conflicts, we became friends, right? You know, and, and we did a lot of work together, business. And, you know, we've talked this many times of political uh, perspectives and realms. I've always bounced ideas off you. So the newest one is talking about really trying to dig down and find out where all this, you know, where's the underlying issues at? Where are the root causes of things that we see on TV that make the mainstream media where if you don't drive around in those neighborhoods, you wouldn't know, right? And one of the things we kind of came to the conclusion with is talking to other people and even talking to you in the past was these kids aren't 
these kids are, are, are getting less and less choices on where they can take their lives. You know, community sports, it seems to be one of those things from the early 80s to the 90s that kept, you know, even early 2000s that kept kind of kids huddled in. And, you know, there was always conflict, but it was never at the, at the level that we see young kids today. Um, and you being a coach and all that, you know, what, what do you see when you're out there coaching the youth sports of today's kids and, and maybe that one kid who got away who ended up falling to the streets? So what I'm seeing is it's a lack of community in sports like it used to be. Um, and that's what I, I work. I'm big on family and creating that atmosphere uh, with my program. Everybody has a natural sense of belonging. They want to belong into something. Um, I think it was a study done out of USC with, with two mice. Okay, one mouse had a family, and it was they're all in cage, confined. One mouse had a family, stuff to play with, and people around them. And the other mouse was by itself, had the same food, same stuff to play with by itself. And the, the mouse that was by himself died seven times earlier than the mouse that had the support system around it. So with, with, with that with that being said, it's, simple, it's, it's the same with, with, with humans. Um, when people don't have that natural sense of belonging fulfilled, they end up joining negative things such as gangs, you know what I mean, such as, you know, things that aren't positive and productive to society. So my goal is to keep my players you know, my young players in that same romantic phase with the game of football as long as possible to keep that, that, that phase, that love phase going, that sense of belonging fulfilled yeah. as long as you can and let them know that it always can be fulfilled because I'm still fulfilling my sense of belonging through coaching. Yeah, no, and, and, and we were talking about kids need a place to fit in. Yeah. You know, and gangs can provide that in certain, in certain atmospheres, which – you know, there's always going to be one or two kids that you're probably just never going to reach. Uh, but there's probably seven or eight that that just want to be part of a team. They want to be part of a group. They want to they want to be part of a existential family that cares about each other. It doesn't see race. It doesn't see money. It doesn't see where you come from. It's can a guy line up next to me and can we go beat those guys kind of attitude. Um, and and football is a great a great mechanism for that. And I I, I was telling people. You know, when you drive around, I think you're back in the city right now. When you drive around the city, how many times do you see kids out playing touch football or anywhere in the park? You can't. You can't. Like, you I mean, like, it's, it's not. It's, a, it's an anomaly now. Like, you don't see that. Kids aren't playing in the street. Nope. You know what I mean? They're not out to the street like going on. You know what I mean? They're, they're on their phones. I mean, if they're outside, oftentimes they're not doing the proper thing. You have kids that are. Don't get me yeah. wrong. You know, you know, I, you know how a, a small few mess it up for the majority. All the majority, yeah. So, so as a, as a guy who's kind of on the front line, seeing all these different programs and and playing sports, what do you think we can do to enhance or fix some of these problems we see on the street right now? First is acknowledgement that there is an issue. You know, man. You know, you said, oh, it's nothing. You know, man. The people that want to do it, do it, and you know, acknowledging that there is a a, a, a dissonance, there is a disconnection, and invite the community in to, to be more supportive. You know, it still takes a village. People forgot that, you know, everybody want to get in their bubble, their isolated bubble, yeah. but it still takes a village, you know, and get back to that concept where, you know, it's not about who's right, but what's right for these kids in our community. 
So I started looking at you know Jackie Robinson's location and went to a to a uh, found a website called veryapt.com that shows like a safety score. Now I'm not here to say that this is you know the end all be all, but it was a thing that I found. And in the Chatham area where Jackie Robinson West Baseball is located, it has a safety score of 58 with an average range of 47 to 63. Okay, for reference, Humboldt Park is 45. The surrounding areas, Roseland, Washington. Heights, Pullman, Burnside, Avalon Park, Greater Grand Crossing, and Inglewood all hover in the 40s, mid to low 40s. And I think this is a hard data find that a sports program with middle of the road common sense values can decrease violence by almost 10, 12% in some of these neighborhoods. And I don't know if Jackie West is getting any money from the city or not, that's not the point. They're a 501c3. And I think the lack of 501c3's ability to stabilize some of these neighborhoods for whatever reason, we're not digging into that right now and I haven't looked into it, but I'm not advocating for more government to get involved in these areas. I'm advocating for more 501c3's to get involved in these areas. This is where people can help other people. This is where I hear elected officials in the Chicagoland area say they want to invest in people. We don't want government handing people money. We want government allowing 501c3s to do the missions that they, that they choose to do. Another one I saw recently that's very recent is a basketball league that Joakim Noah is starting. It's a community league. It looks like there's 28 different nonviolence um, advocates getting involved in this. Uh, it looks to be somewhat, you know, beneficial to a lot of these areas. It's, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of press right now. And we want to wish them all the best because these violence prevention programs, people ask, well, how does it affect me, Rob? I live in Schaumburg. Well, if you're spending time in the city and everybody's coalescing around the city, then the way people are being raised in all aspects in every corner of the world is going to affect us. And if you don't think so, then it's just naive to think otherwise. And policing has come under fire, obviously, you know, it started in the 60s, a lot of riots, you know, all the way up to 2020. And it seems like policing is a part of this, is safety a social issue? And right now it's hard for police to do their jobs. 